So it's been an amazing wild ride. I never would have imagined I would have gone from an, a guy working at a student church to a Catholic podcaster, but uh, here we are loving every minute of it. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Good, Robert. How are things? What's new and exciting? Big storm coming our way, I think, tomorrow. Is that correct? Lots yeah, of big, snow? Big storm coming our way. I think we're looking at uh, 8 to 10 inches of snow, 10 to 15 centimeters of snow. Uh, but Dennis, I have to say, having gone back through uh, some of our last episodes and being the one that edits these things out, no more talk about the weather. Buddy. No more talk about the weather. No, no, no. Nobody wants to know what your drive is like home. So. <laughs> You know what? When I when I say swing by our Facebook page, I actually did swing by the Facebook. What a great Facebook page you put up there, Robert. I must comment on that. That's amazing. That's a great Thank job. You. I don't. I'm not on Facebook, but if I was, I would definitely post a few likes there. Thank you very much, sir. I mean, I always feel I should be doing more with it, but it, it comes down to to time as well. So, oh, and I think I saw a few little likes by our our guest tonight, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll we'll talk about our guest in a few minutes, right? Yeah. No, our our guest tonight actually has become a, a good friend as well. And it's funny, we've chatted a couple times, whether it's been on his podcast or here on the Pints and Pews podcast, uh, but we've uh, grown into uh, internet friends, if you want. And one of these days, we keep saying that we're going to make it happen. One of these days, we'll sit down face to face and uh, and have a beer. But you know, saying that about our guest today, Dennis, we actually have a returning guest. On the returning guest. <laughs> How much I, did you pay him? <laughs> I was going to say, believe it or not, somebody wants to come back on the show. Get, get his email, get the full name, and don't lose it because we may need him on a third time very quickly. Yeah. So, as a returning guest, I, I would say to our listeners, if they want the full bio for today's guest, hit pause now, head back to episode 16 of the Pints and Pews podcast uh, to get not just his full bio, but his full story. It was a great conversation back then, and I'm sure we're in store for a great conversation again this evening. Uh, so kind of the 30-second, the 10-cent uh, bio for our guest today, uh, he is an evangelical convert to the faith. He's a husband, father, and like I said, he's a great friend, a uh, friend of the show, and I must say, he is the second most famous Catholic podcaster ever to come out of Newmarket. <laughs> Best of all, he likes to sit down and chat the Catholic faith over a pint of beer. So, Kay Albert Little, Keith, the cordial Catholic, welcome back to the Pints and Pews podcast. <laughs> welcome, Keith. Oh, thank you, Robert. Uh, nice to see you. Nice to meet you, Dennis. I've been listening to you on the show. We haven't we haven't met. You were away last met. time I That's came right. on this. Yep. I was a poor substitute, but you, you had me back, guys. So, so thank you for. Uh... You came back like that's a minor miracle in and of itself. It's it's great to have you on the show. And if you guys, I'll give you two minutes to talk about New Market Max. But if you start going on about New New Market, I'm out of here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Both home well, new market. It's the center of the universe. Well, you know what? And I don't want to be very Toronto centric here. And I grew up in Toronto, 
Keith, and this is going to sound really rude, and I love all Ontario. I've been all over the place. It's a great, great province. But I thought the world ended at Steeles Avenue. Like to think that there were two guys from New. I'm like, where would Newmarket be? I have, and then my sister ended up moving to Newmarket, raising her kids there, opening a store on Main Street. So. I got to know Newmarket quite well, and it's a beautiful little town, just about oh, well, an hour's north of Toronto. Uh, well, it used to be where the 404 ended in Newmarket. That's right. So that was always the claim to fame. You just keep driving north of Toronto, and you, you end up in Newmarket. You end up in Newmarket. Does the 404 get, go past that now? It, go, it, goes, it goes further. Now I get lost going back home trying to uh, I did not know that. Way. Yeah? N- not that I wanted to you know, mention anyone's <laughs> age or anything here, but I remember a time before there was the 404 up to Newmarket, right? So, yeah. Somebody's yeah. old. <laughs> but no, it's great to have you back on the, the show here, Keith. Um, like I said, you, you're you not just another Catholic podcaster out there. Uh, you really have become a friend, not just of the show, but a friend of mine. And uh, I really do cherish that that friendship and so happy to have you back here today. Uh, you've already shared your story with us. We will get you to introduce yourself to Dennis because you haven't met Dennis before. Uh, so we'll kind of get the, the Coles Notes version of that in a little bit. But the question on everyone's mind here tonight is, what are you drinking, sir? Well, look, I don't want to be a broken record. I think I had this on the last time I was on the show with you, uh, maybe, but I, I had to have it again because my 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 parents came up from Newmarket a couple of weekends ago uh, up here to Sarnia, where we are now, or down here to Sarnia, where we are now, and brought for me uh, a whole bunch of old flame uh, red Vienna lager, my my most favorite beer that is in existence, I think. That's a uh, great course, drop, Keith. Of course, from uh, from a brewery in in well in in Port Perry, and also in Newmarket. And we made that connection last time on the show, uh, very organically. We made that we realized we were from the same small hometown, and it was over a you know a, a pint of this beer that that came up, I think. And so I had to have it again, and I have, of course. My my dad uh, bought me these beautiful old flame uh, pint glasses nice. from Very the brewery, nice. and so it's just a perfect glass, of course, for this beer. And so I thought I have to have this again, Robert, because of the connection between Newmarket and this brewery. Uh, and I couldn't resist the the eight of these cans in the cold room. I, I couldn't just watch them age there. I had to <laughs> I had to at least open open one. And I often, I don't get to drink. I don't shouldn't say don't get to. I don't often drink during the week. I'm more of a weekend drinker. Uh, so this uh, was a great opportunity to, to crack one of my favorite beers at, in the middle of the week and enjoy it with a couple of good friends. Excellent. Awesome. Um, you know what? I so not only are you both of you from the same hometown, you both drink the same beer. Now, you're not going to tell me you have a old flame tonight, too, Robert, surely. Or is this? Well, I, I can tell you what I'm not drinking there. Mr. Oh, we'll get to mine in a second. Why don't you tell us what you're drinking? Well, I, first, first of all, I'm going to tell you what I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking that gingerbread beer that you gave me a couple oh. of weeks ago that was absolutely disgusting. Okay. At least to Keith, my palate. At least to I'm my drinking palate. gingerbread saison tonight because it is this saison for gingerbread. <laughs> and I'm loving this beer. So there you go. Each pal- each to their own particular palate. Um, and it, you might, and tell it must me, be. Do you want because to tell I know when I, I, I took that beer and um, to me, it tasted like pickled ginger. Okay, so I gave him three beers out of the generous person that I am. He drank one. I don't even know if he finished it. And then I found the next morning on my seat when I got to work, two of the beers 
put back on my seat saying thanks, but no thanks. Oh thanks. well, Dennis, I'll give you. I'll I'll let you know a little secret. You're not on Facebook, which I now I now know. I don't know if you knew, you know what your your friend Robert posted on Facebook about the beer that you gave no. him that he tried. It was quite. I, I laughed out loud, Robert, because. The way you you post a picture of that, I think it was the the, the ginger part, the ginger yeah, beer, it was, or some ginger beer. it was some flavor beer that I knew Dennis gave you because he loves these flavor beers and no one else in the Absolutely. world does. But I, I knew it was that, and and the way you worded it, Robert, was so so generously kind I, of underhanded. I laughed out loud. It was like, well, it wouldn't be what I would choose, but I drank. And did he finish I, it? He I did in a good sport. He did finish it. it so I did wanted, finish it. Do you want to describe for the? listeners the oh, my oh, here tonight since here i'm just going to read what i posted on facebook okay I have, to go, <laughs> I have to admit that the beer isn't my favorite but think if done differently a gingerbread beer could be a nice winter brew you sound like a politician you should there run you for go. office great job there it is a nice one so it's a little bit gingery you figure just a little bit okay just a little well now, i'm enjoying it but I, for myself ahead. For myself, I also got an old flame. Now, when I went in to pick up my beer for tonight, a couple of weeks ago, because also too, we were supposed to be doing this podcast what two weeks ago, oh, and right. un unfortunately, Keith, you and the family <laughs> oh. were a little ill, and not, not up, not up, not only for not being on the podcast. I don't think you were up for a beer that night either. So, uh, but thanks be to God, you're all doing much, much better. So, um, I'm thank thankful for that. But I went into the old flame which is, uh, I always say it's a one rosary walk away from the house. It takes me walking to the old flame brewery. It takes me a rosary to get there. The dog knows the way perfectly, right? Then she knows to turn in the door when we get there. And I wanted to get from them a Newmarket Brown Ale because last year when I was in there for an event, they had the Newmarket Brown Ale and it was done from the original recipe. And Keith, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in Newmarket, back in the day, uh, there used to be the Upper Canada Brewing Company. So they were brewing craft beers before craft beers were even a thing. You know, you were maybe in kindergarten when they were <laughs> <laughs> when they were doing this. And no, the Newmarket Brown Ale was absolutely stunning, and I loved it. And I wanted to have another one. They didn't have any on hand, so I ended up with uh, an Old Flame Riverwalk Commons. And I think it's uh, an ale. I can't remember. And it's they don't have it written on the tag here. Mm -hmm. It's in a understated black bottle. Yeah, that's a cool No label. <laughs> no like label it. on there. Um, so I'm going to use also too. And Keith, you'll recognize this bottle opener. Uh, Keith's brother-in-law did for Dennis and I last year at Christmas. These fantastic beer flight pack. Oh, I didn't realize that for, was your brother-in-law, Keith. Yeah. yeah, those are great. And he threw in this great bottle opener for me too. So I'm going to get this here. And Is that the flight there, Robert? There, there you go. Oh, your has got the flight pack. handy. So I'm going to pour this Riverwalk Commons. Keith, are you going to say the open up? And are you we'll going to say, say Grace? The, Grace, you know, that's the problem with beer, his description, Keith. Often it goes on a little and I say, Robert, you got to get to the prayer as our beers get warm. And, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice looking beer. You like that? It's, it's, yeah. uh, a nice, nice amber kind of color. Amber, yeah. like it's not not a very light, you know. It's a, like a a buckwheat honey yeah. color there. So I, I'm really looking forward to okay to having a go with that. So yeah, we'll get to to grace before beer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Bless O Lord this creature beer, which Thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain. 
that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. I'm not going to say oh. I'm, I'm I'm jealous, Robert, because jealousy is not a not a flattering uh, virtue. But I, you know, I mentioned my dad came to Sarnia recently and brought these because we can't get them down here. And I know that you'd mentioned to me I, we can order them. I could order them to the LCBO, and they they you know bring them to my store. I think you'd said, but you know, I was surprised when we moved to Sarnia here uh, that I couldn't walk into the LCBO and find Old Flame. There's all kinds of other localish breweries around mm-hmm. here, but the old flame that I love, I, it, it's not like it used to be. So I, I get it when uh, when the folks come to town or I go visit, I, I stock up and stock up and bring it back because it's a staple for me. It's uh, my, definitely one of my favorite uh, breweries. Well, we'll have yeah. to have a chat when we're done recording later and see if we can line up some dates over Christmas, please. <laughs> I'll be heading that direction uh, for a few days and uh, and there's a there's a couple to too run. Robert the, I mean you've got that with the hazy blonde as well there's a few really good ones from the old flame oh exactly um, no they're yeah. great stuff great stuff I, I want to say too Robert you mentioned before we've, we've become good friends and I do want to publicly uh, out you uh, as a good friend because it's been amazing you know I mentioned we moved to Sarnia we made this big move this summer from where we were in Kitchener we left our, our friend network we kind of bought a house sight unseen here in Sarnia, my wife's hometown, uh, all, all these, this big move for us. And Robert, you were a guy who I, I turned to a, a bunch during that move to say, hey, buddy, can you pray for me? I'm doing this. You know, it, it helps that we have the same profession. So I'd, I'd be going for a job interview. I'd say, Robert, you know, pray for me. And, and you know, you, you've been there, you know what it's like. So you would mm-hmm. be the guy to pray for me. And I, I just got I want to thank you because we, we started this thing. You had me on your podcast and I, I had you on mine and I really feel like I appreciate that what this has grown into this awesome friendship where, you know, you, you've countless times prayed for me and, and that's been amazing to have a guy like you in my corner. I, I put on Twitter one time, you know, cause you had said you'd go, you'd go in front of the blessed sacrament and pray for me in adoration. And I said, you know, get, get a friend who prays for you in front of the blessed sacrament during your job interview. Cause that's, that's a good kind. That's a good, good friend to get. Well, and it's, you're that guy, man. So, so I want to say thank you. Public, you're, you're welcome. Public, Absolutely man. my pleasure. And, and I know I've turned to you a few times in the, the last little while asking for prayers as well, because uh, that's what brotherhood and fellowship and being members of the body of Christ is yeah. all about. Yeah, right? that's, that's excellent. And if you want to hear more about that story, uh, you do have a podcast on that, which is a, a great podcast, Keith, about your move to Sarnia and uh and your job transfer yeah, yeah, as well yeah, yeah. Shoot, so I, ch- I have to update that because even even beyond that i more miracles <laughs> more miracles abounded so it's been an insane move yeah and really one of those things that we were crazy enough to listen to the holy spirit and make this big move and it just things just lined up and uh, amazingly well i couldn't have yeah it was it's imagined, a great story imagined. all the things falling in place yeah yeah But this is the time where myself and Robert both get out of the way. We unleash our Marcus Grodi, which is another great episode on Cordial Catholic. And we ask you to take us back, Keith, to as early as you want and tell us about your faith journey. Well, in a nutshell, I know Robert mentioned that my longer story is on the episode that I did with, with him. 
But the, I mean, the long and short story is I kind of grew up nominally Christian uh, in Newmarket, on Ontario, a few years behind Robert and in his, his growing up there, uh, a few years his, his junior, but grew up there kind of in a family that uh, I, I always say I joked that it was Christian without Christ. It was we, we had very high ethical values. You know, we we were were polite, were kind, treated others with respect, believed in the truth, believed in the, the virtues, but didn't have Jesus at the center of those things, right? So it was kind of a very nominally Christian. Went to, to church uh, Easter occasionally, Christmas occasionally, these kinds of things. And we did go, it was the United Church out in, uh, in Sharon, Ontario. And my memory of, of that, uh, the, the one lasting memory is uh, doing communion there and having no clue what I was doing. We, we, you know, we called it the Lord's Supper or whatever. And I, I had to go up there. And I remember as a kid, you used to tear off the bread from this big loaf and then get wine poured, in, in, you know, into something from a little, uh, from a larger bottle. And I remember as a kid going up there and not having done that ever before because we didn't go very often, but it was this weekend was communion. So I went up and I remember I grabbed this chunk of bread, Dennis, that was far too large for my mouth. And I realized right away, I put it in my mouth and I realized before it was, it was too late. I can't, I can't chew or swallow this thing. And so I take the wine and I try and wash it kind of down. And I, I don't know, I must've been maybe six, seven or eight years old. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. And I remember that it was real wine. So the bitter taste of the wine, which was a shock to my system, trying to drown out this giant loaf of bread. And I just, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was panicking. And that's my last memory of, of my time as a child going, going to church is that semi-traumatic event mm-hmm. nothing beyond that i quite remember but uh, that was how it was for growing up up into high school and it was then that i kind of had a, this weird awakening I, I met a guy through a friend of a friend at a a very tame high school band party at the end of summer one year the summer uh, between grade nine and grade ten and this friend of a friend was uh i guess a practicing wiccan so-called Wiccan. I don't really know what, what he knew thought that was, or I, what I thought that was, but he, he was very spiritual, kind of had, had longer hair, very mysterious, kind of mystique around him. And he started talking to us about how the world is bigger than just, just us. And there's more out there and things are connected. And honestly, it's a bit embarrassing to admit, but I hadn't thought those thoughts before, before leading this guy. I thought, whoa, I think he's right. There is more than just me in the world. Like it's larger than just me. Here's my ego as a teenager, right? Coming out of my shell, realizing that, oh, it's not just all about me. Uh, that launched me on a bit of a journey of, of asking questions about to answer that. And the first thing I did was, was trying to figure out what a, what a Wiccan was, what they believed. This was pre-Google. So I'm trying to find on the, the internet that exists. I'm not, as, I'm not that old. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I could say more, but the, the internet did exist in its infancy. And I tried to find on the internet through very primitive search engines, what, what it meant to be a Wiccan. And I couldn't find anything that made any sense to me, right? It was very hard to find anything like that back then. But I knew that my best friend growing up was a Christian. Uh, we were very close. Best friends lived four doors down from me, two doors down. And I knew he was a Christian. So he was the guy that I went to. When, when I had a question with this, I thought, well, I'll ask, I'll ask my friend Brent. And of course, this for me, is a lasting impression of how we do evangelization. It's always stuck with me because he never evangelized me. We never talked about the, the faith. We talked about Star Trek and Star Wars and comics and Lego and you know, these kinds of things, but, but never about his faith. But I knew he was a Christian because on Sundays he was busy and because he 
practice Christian values. And so when it came time for me to ask those questions, I went to my friend Brent, even though we hadn't formally evangelized me. And so that really sticks in my mind of something important to think about as when I do evangelize, you know, that I living the faith is as important as trying to shove this down someone else's throat, right? Living like, the hey, faith. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Keith, living the faith and something you mentioned on one of your podcasts, I believe, and relationships, relationships first, and then evangelization, yeah. because yeah. nobody's going to listen to you. You can't put a book, which you mentioned as well. You can't put a book in somebody's, they might not be at that stage. So you need to have that relationship. And obviously you had that relationship yeah, with Brent. Yeah. yeah. And when it came time for me to ask those questions, the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask those questions. He was the guy that I knew I should go to. And so that for me began this thing where I I, I became a Christian, right? I, I accepted Jesus into my heart as a Jew, as an evangelical. I prayed those prayers. I began to live that that the Christian life. I bought a Bible, had no clue how to read it. It was a uh, uh, the Treasure House in Newmarket, Ontario. Uh, rest in peace. I think it's now closed. But it was a wonderful little Christian supply store. And I went there and asked the old lady behind the counter, well, old lady, <laughs> she wasn't that old now, in hindsight, uh, as I look at the, the three of us, but she seemed older and, and wiser at that time. I asked her what Bible to buy, and she said, oh, here's this extreme teen Bible. Uh, it was a New King James translation, which is kind of a weird translation. I don't even quite know why that was the one she pointed me towards, but had a cool full of the cover and a cool purple package and really cool little inserts into the text with to give you cool tips on how to be a cool Christian teenager. And I, I, I ate it up. Right? I, I loved it. And I, I was absolutely on fire for my faith. And that, that carried for me, thankfully, into my university years. And I got connected to an awesome uh, student church that met on campus that was just the most vibrant, dynamic thing happening. I used to meet in this big pub on campus at the University of Waterloo, where, where I met, where I went and met my wife there, and we were both really involved in this cool uh, campus church. And I ended up interning at that church, right? Between my teaching degree and my last year of undergrad, I interned there for the summer with this, with this cool hip pastor who was himself a former Catholic from Montreal, steeped in, you know, uh, Italian, uh, French-Italian Catholics from Montreal. So I had a wicked accent, uh, horrible driving skills, uh, awesome guy. The whole package, the whole Montreal package, <laughs> yeah, right there. He, he he really was. He really was, Robert. You know, you know this kind of guy. A wonderful guy. And he was doing. Uh, he has several master's degrees now, but he's doing one of his master's degrees. He has actually a, a doctorate now as well. But doing, I think, his first or second master's degree um, at I think it was Tyndale down in Toronto, and doing a course on patristics and church history and. I was his intern, so we were very close. We chatted all the time, every day in this student church. And as it turns out, he was really questioning his own Catholic upbringing because he was brought up Catholic, but now at an evangelical church, the student church, as the pastor. So he left his the faith of his childhood and became evangelical, right? So he was going through the motions of kind of questioning his upbringing as he was studying church history in this, in this course. And I was his sounding board as he was asking these questions about of himself, he would then come into the office the next morning after his night class and ask me these same questions and bounce them off me. And he was the guy who asked me the question about, you know, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? And for me, that question was out of left field, right? I I assumed the Bible, of course, as evangelical is the most important thing. Jesus and the Bible is always the answer to every question in Sunday school. So of course, the Bible is the answer. So I said, I said, Dom, it, it's the Bible. And he goes, yeah, but who put the Bible together? wasn't that the tradition of the church? And I kind of went, what? <laughs> and I began 
you know, digging into Protestant sources. That's what I was familiar with and looking for Protestant authors who tackled this subject and quickly realized that what I was reading wasn't very coherent. They, it would disagree with other authors, right? There was, it seemed like they're talking about things they didn't really know about. Like what, what I was reading was not right, quite accurate because no one could agree what I was reading. And so I, I began to dig a bit deeper. And actually, funny enough, I, I one of your former guests, uh, Steve McAvoy, it was who does book reviews online. And you talked to him, I think, I think, I think you talked to him maybe by yourself, maybe one time. It was, it was just before sure. Dennis came back. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was either during the interview with Stephen or just after. Did you live in his basement or he I lived did. in your I basement? Did. I, did. I lived in his basement, basement apartment. We both rented this house actually of a friend of this pastor from the church that I was talking about before owned this house. He had moved away. So Steve and I rented the, him and his wife were on the top floor and me and my friends were on the bottom floor. And uh, I kind of was looking at him and asking him a few questions. And he, we, we joke, we joke now because he lent me a copy of Scott Hahn's Rome sweet home. Hmm. I would later say five, six years later, devour that book and just, you know, that was a, a huge thing for me to read that book, but he gave me a copy way back then. And I wasn't in the right place to really read it or digest it. I was undergrad busy with, with different things. And I read it and didn't really impact me. I thought, okay, it's a, it's okay. Years later, I read it again. Right. And I was, wow, what, what did I miss the first time? This is amazing. And again, that speaks of the Holy spirit kind of getting you ready. Right. And you, you have to be at the right place to, to hear these things. But I began looking into the Catholic Church, uh, kind of uh, service level e, and then I got married, right? And so things kind of took a back burner for a bit. And you know, we were married in that church. We were really involved in that church. We ended up going to the family church that was connected to the student church. Kind of grew into a family church. And my wife and I were super involved there. And again, the question of the Catholic Church and tradition and those things were still in the back of my mind, but they took a back seat, right? When you're newly married and thinking of these other things and starting a family. And it kind of surfaced again along the way because it, I, I couldn't put it away. And we ended up this church moving into a church and sharing a building with a Lutheran congregation in Waterloo. And suddenly we, we had before been meeting in a rec center. So it was very kind of you know, rec center-ish, right? And suddenly we were in this liturgical space in this Lutheran church that was built to worship, right? It had a pipe organ. It had an altar. It had... I had a tabernacle. It had this Sanctus candle that was always glowing red that just really, uh, what is what is this candle? Is it always lit? And what does it mean? And it suddenly had a Lutheran pastor who wore a collar, a Roman collar, and walked around investments on a Sunday morning. We, we met kind of before their church met in the same sanctuary space. And suddenly I was back to thinking about these, these thoughts I had before of, of the tradition and the liturgy. And I thought it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't leave me alone. So I just did the deepest dive ever. I used to, before we had kids, I would be just devouring books kind of in secret for a bit, which was a mistake. I, I learned in hindsight. I, I would be binging YouTube videos. YouTube was in its infancy at this time, a new kind of thing. And Our Lady of Good Counsel in Plymouth, Michigan, Father John Ricardo, who I actually had an opportunity to meet and thank in person one time at a conference in Detroit and say, hey, thank you. Because he put all their RCA videos online on YouTube and I devoured those you know, one after the other, three-hour sessions up till like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. on YouTube, watching these and just enamored with this Catholic theology and the and the content of this. And so after all that, went and told my wife, hey, I'm going to become Catholic. Of course, I hadn't 
kept her abreast of the situation mm-hmm. as we as it was unfolding. So that was a different whole other uh, story. She joined the church a year after me. So it's a happy ending. But it, it was interesting. And truly the first time that I actually ever prayed to a saint was after I told my wife because it was really very bad. Uh, I just didn't say bad fight, but an argument. We don't often argue. This was an actual argument. And it was kind of a knockdown, drag him out argument because we were on the same page in our faith life for, for our whole marriage, right? We were married in this church. All our friends were in this church. This church was really at the core of our identity as a couple and as, as, as two Christian believers. And suddenly here I am saying, I think I'm going to become Catholic. I've read all this stuff. I've done all this, this reading, this listening, this learning, and kind of at a left field for her. And uh, that night I, I kind of, I prayed, I, I asked, I asked the blessed mother, Mary, the undoer of knots that, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm whoops, <laughs> help pray for me. Right. And, and the missing thing is that that the next morning, my wife, you know, came into the room and said, Hey, I spent the whole night reading in the Catholic church. And I think maybe you're onto something here. And I went, Oh, <laughs> like we went from, you know, went from this hopeless situation where we had this, you know, a big fight and it seemed like, Oh my gosh, we're on different faith pages. How can we ever reconcile this? How can we ever raise our kids in a in this situation where we don't agree on this thing that was so so central to us when we first got married? And it seemed like a, a hard thing to reconcile, right? And I know, I know, I know, Dennis, it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, it was this this challenge. We got to, oh shoot, what do we do? And the next morning, right, it's this answered prayer, just like you know that, that quick. And I thought, wow, that's the saints are praying for us. <laughs> this is amazing. And, uh, you know, she became Catholic the next year, took the RCIA course uh, in time for our son to be baptized. And uh, she joined the church. She was baptized kind of the next weekend. It was this amazing event. And we two more kids since then and uh, plugged in deeply to the Catholic church and the Catholic faith. I've been, I've done this podcast, obviously, mm-hmm. that, that I do. I've been blogging since before I was Catholic, actually. I started blogging in 2014 before I became Catholic on the Catholic channel uh, as my conversion was unfolding. Uh, and since then, and uh, taught now RCIA for two two years. Once during the pandemic, which was a bit wild, we kind of stopped that mid mid course and went online. It was kind of nuts, but uh, yeah, deeply involved, invested in the faith since then. And I mean, I you you hear you know a lot of friends of mine, uh, good friends too, and said things like, you know what, you're, you're Catholic now, you're excited about it, but it'll it'll peter out. Like don't don't expect to maintain this fervor for the faith that you have now because that's a new convert thing and you'll eventually settle into a groove and, and, and kind of calm down. And I'm happy to report that I have not calmed down. And I talked we're, to actually We're Scott. happy you haven't yeah, calmed down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're Excellent. happy you're still going. And I talked to Scott Hahn on my show, you know, a, a while back and he said the same thing. He said, look, it's been, I've been now Catholic for longer than I ever was Protestant in my life. Right. He's of course a famous Catholic convert. Mm-hmm. And he said, and people said to me the same thing, but I actually have grown in my love for the faith year after year. So I think the opposite is true. I, and I'm with him, right? I'm not, I'm not 25 years a Catholic, but it, the, the love for the faith, especially as somebody who's come into it from, from the outside and seen what else is out there and, and had these things, the Catholic church is just was so appealing in, in the, the way it deals with authority and, and scripture and the liturgy and these beautiful prayer practices. I mean, that the, the depth of love for the faith just grows year after year. And I think that's what it's intended to do. And I think that's that the case for somebody who's, who's seriously seeking after that. The Lord grows that, that faith, I think. And so it's been an amazing wild ride. I never would have imagined I would have gone from an, a guy working at a student church to a Catholic podcaster. 
but uh, here we are loving every minute of it. It's, it's been amazing. And I Great think story. you could say the same, even for those of us that are cradle Catholics, the mm-hmm. more we get to know the faith and the more we get involved with our faith, the greater our fervor for the faith. And the more we want to fall in love with it, the more we want to get to know. And like when I was on your show, Keith, there a couple of months ago, and we started off because you wanted to talk about growing up Catholic and evangelical in the same small town. And when I mentioned this to my wife, I said, yeah, he wants to talk to me about growing up Catholic. And her question was like, you grew up Catholic, right? <laughs> and, and so that, that same kind of thing. I just want to say, you know, thanks be to God for Brent. Because if it wasn't for Brent this evening, we'd be talking to the cordial Wiccan and not the cordial Catholic, <laughs> right? <laughs> You know what? That's so, and it, Robert. Just to echo your points, I mean, you say that the depth of your faith is so great, uh, Keith. I think it's because the faith is so deep, yeah, and, yeah. and we all agree that we just we every week we just scratch the surface of what's there over two thousand years, and even in our lifetimes, we'll never get to fully explore all that. It's, it's such a you can just quit our jobs and just devote ourselves to to studying the faith, and we'll never get there. So it's such a beautiful thing. Those are called hermits, I think. sounds appealing sometimes right (laughs) oh amen we're moving into the christmas season we're three quarters of the way through advent we're going to be sitting down uh to dinner with families and they're not always everybody at the table going to be Catholic, especially when you get into a, a larger group of friends and neighbors, or you off to the staff social and staff parties and the, the office Christmas party. And I find sometimes when I get into those situations, Keith, that as soon as someone finds out that I'm Catholic, and especially a Catholic who loves the faith and is trying to learn the faith, I'll get cornered, right? That some evangelical, Pentecostal, non-denominational guy from the high school band wants to to corner you and talk to you about the Christian faith. And that that always amazes me that, you know, you're not Catholic, you're not Christian, you're Catholic, and kind of the, the conversation goes from there. But I find a lot of times we get caught off guard when we're talking about the faith with our evangelical brothers and sisters. And so kind of one of the reasons why we wanted to have you back on the show as the cordial Catholic, as someone who's made that journey, who's been on both sides of the fence, how can we be in those conversations a, a cordial Catholic? And I think back, I mean, that's a lot of your guests. But I think back uh, most recently, you had Carlo uh, Boussard on the show, or Broussard, uh, and Dr. Douglas Beaumont. I'm reading these names, and I want to say them, you know, Dr. Beaumont and, and Boussard. But <laughs> my apologies to the way that they they, they pronounce their <laughs> names. But maybe starting you know, kind of when we're in those conversations, what are going to be some of the favorite targets that they yeah. want to bring up? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Robert. And it's funny. So we we have our kids here uh, in the local private Christian school here in Sarnia, and it's Christian school, so it's broadly Christian. And we're of course we're Catholic, and there are a few other Catholic families that have have also gone to this school. But it's a bit of a mix. It's very ecumenical. It's very uh, it's very 
broadly Christian. So they don't often get into theology. Like it's not that's not the whole point. The point is a Christian worldview thing to talk from, right? Mm-hmm. So we're comfortable there as a Catholic family. But you you occasionally meet uh, other families, and they go, "Oh, what church do you go to? You know, we, we go to you know so and so Baptist church." And they go, "Oh, we go to Sacred Heart." Uh, they go, "Oh." They stop in their track, right? Because they're they're surprised. Oh, you're you're Catholic. And one, my wife tells a story of one friend mentioning, "Oh, well, I guess, you know, I guess people can be saved that way too." <laughs> when she mentioned we were we were Catholic, right? So it's it's interesting. I think the the thing that I I think about when I'm thinking about talking to evangelicals, and I have a lot in my family still, and a lot of my friends still, of course, are evangelicals, is. Uh, Often the case that, because I was this way as an evangelical as well, what what we think we know about Catholics is dead wrong and full of misconceptions and misunderstandings. So a lot of the time my job is to kind of undo those misconceptions, right? And often, if you know a person well, it's through your life, through living, right? It's it's not necessarily through giving them a book or having a, a pat answer ready to share. It's through living like a Christian, right? Living like an actual Catholic. And they see you, they see your life and go, oh yeah, you know what? He can be saved that way too as a Catholic. Like he is living a Christian and, and doing Christian things. He knows his Bible, right? And he, I see him praying and I see him giving generously of his time and his and his finances. And, and I see him worshiping. I see him living a worshipful life, right? So a lot of time, I think you undo those misconceptions through just the way you live as an authentic Catholic. And at the same time, I think it was Marcus Gerda when I had him on my show who said the most devout Catholic can look like an absolute pagan to an evangelical Christian, right? Because you're you're literally kneeling before a statue. You're literally, you're literally doing these things that look like to an evangelical eyes like idol worship, really weird stuff, right? Meanwhile, you're the most devout, dev, devoted, devote. Devout, thank you. Devout Catholic on the planet, right? But you might look like you are doing things that set off the radar, the alarm bells for the evangelical. So I think the the living is coupled with, yeah, having having some right answers, right? I think often the right answers are often questions, maybe, right? Like I think if you probe a person's thinking a little bit, that often reveals the misconceptions they have, right? So you meet somebody who's evangelical, and they'll they'll say something like, "Oh, you don't don't you you don't you guys worship saints? You pray to Mary?" Well, I might ask, "Well, what what do you mean? What do you what do you think we do when you say we pray to saints? What do you think was going on? Like, like, explain to me what you're thinking with that question. What's behind that question?" And I go, "Oh, well, well, well I see you kneeling by that statue over there." Right, and then you you have a basis for beginning to explain. Well, oh, okay, okay. So you see me doing that. Here's why I'm why I'm doing that, right? So so I think the approach I often take is is often asking questions, right? Because that then can reveal where they're coming from and what those misconceptions are. I mean, I could launch into the, the catechism, right, and explain why we do these things and how it's not idol worship and how we're praying to saints and what that means and what veneration versus worship is and all these technical things, but it's just as simple as, oh, oh, they saw me kneel. They're wondering why I'm kneeling. That's the real question they're asking here, right? That's often revealed in asking back a question to that person who's who's asking something to me, right? I think that's a that's where I normally start with those kind of conversations is just to ask a question back, to kind of poke at and reveal what they actually mean kind of behind that question, right? If that, if that makes sense. That's, that's where I start usually. Yeah, I love that idea, that notion of answering the question with another question. 
to pull out what it is that they're they're really trying to get at. And I've never really thought of it that way before. I'd be the one that goes straight for what's in the catechism, yeah. right? Or be the one that goes straight for, because knowing that I'm speaking with someone who oftentimes is maybe even sola scriptura. So I got to come through uh, my mind and come up. I have to pull a, a Bible verse out from somewhere to be able to answer this. And I'm get very much on the defensive right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you speak to a couple of things there. I think you speak to the, the with your conversation, the relationship as well that you speak to with these people that you have. And I think I think one of your guests too mentioned, I think it might have been Matt Swain when he mentioned that it's almost the little things, the weird idiosyncrasies that you do or that you say or you and that somebody picked up on as well. Keith, and maybe something, some things that we, myself and Robert, or you do, and maybe it's you know it's living our life, but it's also you know, saying something or this little thing we mentioned or something, and they pick up on that. And and I think these are the things that we often don't know we're doing, but maybe some people who are questioning or wondering why we do things often pick up on those things and we're completely unaware. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even something as simple as the, as the uh, crossing yourself, right. The, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that we never did as evangelicals that, that seemed weird and strange. And, and to somebody seeing that might go like, Oh, like, what are, what are you doing? Well, here's where you can say, well, actually, you know what? This is an ancient prayer custom custom that goes back to the very, very earliest Christians. We have evidence of this in the earliest Christian writings that Christians did this. I'm just doing what Christians have done all along kind of thing, right? So that's where some of that book knowledge comes in, Robert, right? Where you have those answers is is, is useful. But that to, to explain, you know what? You used to be doing this thing, but actually, like, you might think this is a thing that Catholics invented or is weird and new, but actually, this, this is an ancient thing. So, you're, you're right. Some of those little small things you might do, Dennis, right? That they go, like, they, they pick up on, mm-hmm. but having an understanding of what we're doing, like in that case, right, is uh, is is very helpful, right? Knowing knowing why we do why what we, we do. do, right? So that when we, you know, that this is biblical, right? We have an answer for the, for the hope we have, we have an answer for the things we do as Catholics, right? And they can explain where those practices come from. And not that we have to uh, defend that, but knowing where it, where it comes from can help to un, un, for somebody else to unpack that, right? I mean, I had a great conversation one time with my, with my brother-in-law, who's not a Catholic, about baptism, because I had Doug Beaumont on the show a while back talking about this topic, and and my brother-in-law listened to it, and Doug, Doug, who was evangelical, uh, a certain professor who became Catholic, he unpacked kind of the idea of baptism and its roots in the Bible and, and tradition, and, and he very systematically came to the conclusion that, well, you can believe that baptism actually saves, as we, we Catholics do, it's actually doing a thing, right, as part of salvation, to be baptized, or just a symbol, as evangelicals believe, right? Both of those things, Doug said, really are kind of equally weighted in the Bible. You can, you can t- take those Bible verses and and find justification for either of those I- in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But then you turn to church history and see that since the beginning of church history up until the Reformation, um, baptism was believed to actually save. And you go, okay, so that's the answer, right? I, the Bible has these two things that I could kind of take either way, but then tradition shows me that this has always been done this way for 1,500 years, Right. So I think, you know, understanding what we believe and why we do things like, like baptism, right? Having that kind of grounding in, in the catechism and in the history of the faith and, and the traditions of the Catholic faith, that's, that's valuable, but it comes up 
organically. And then you can kind of hmm. go with that. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to that Christmas and say, okay, guys, baptism, here we go. I'll tell you why you're all wrong. And your belief is just symbolic that came up organically. And I could, we could talk about that at length and it was a great conversation, but I, I had studied and I had known that from talking to Doug and from reading things and stuff. Right. And so when, when that came up organically, I had an answer there, but I wasn't pushing it down someone's throat. Right. I, I knew my stuff. And, and I think, you know, and, and at the same time, I was the guy that, that, somebody could ask a question like that too, because I was living a Catholic life. I, I, I looked like a Catholic looked and did Catholic things. And so when somebody has a question about the Catholic faith, I was the guy that they thought they, they could ask. Right. So there's something to be said too, of, of living that life, living it out loud and living it visibly and authentically that puts you in a place that people are going to come to you to ask you those questions. Right. And then having that kind of that answer ready and saying, I don't know if you get challenged too deeply. Right. I mean, that's, that's authentic mm -hmm. too, right. To go, you know, I don't actually know the answer to that or, or, Hey, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. I, you know, I, we could all get stumped still, right. Even as having studied for years and years and years, because there's still things that could possibly stump us. Right. And uh, of course the Holy spirit could prompt us with the answer, but he also could just say, Hey, just say, I don't know. <laughs> and we'll come back to it. There's a reason why you don't know in that moment. Right. That's going to, Maybe you open the door for that person to do more research on their own or mm -hmm. to, to see you again, to talk more about it. Right. So and, I think and, there's. And sometimes I think saying, I don't know is going to open up many more doors to the conversation after it's going to do wonders for the relationship building yeah. in, in that as well. And sure. I think that's a big part of what you're seeing here as well is building those relationships with those people is otherwise you're just going to end up in dueling Bible verses. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, you, and who can outdo each other. Yeah. I'll tell you what it's for me as a convert in, a, in uh, I've heard stories of people. I had Haley Stewart uh, from the fountain of carrots podcast. She's a wonderful author and, and, and podcaster and blogger, uh, lovely person who became Catholic. She's a convert, her and her husband <clears throat> and her, her whole extended family has become Catholic since it's been amazing. Like her, her parents, her, I think her husband's parents, like other like friends and, and sisters and brothers, it's left, right, and all these converts who converted after her, right? And it's just, it's amazing. That's awesome. But that's often not the case, mm -hmm. right? And for, for me and for lots of converts this time of the year as Christmas is approaching, it's hard to go home sometimes and have this Catholic joy, right? Having discovered the Catholic church as a convert, and go home to a, to uh, to family to relatives who are who are still evangelical, right? And who who in your mind haven't <laughs> found this thing that you found, right? And you really wanted to go out and and share this and just talk nonstop about theology. And you're you're waiting for a chance to get something in there or have a question asked of you or be able to to share some Catholic tidbit, right? But I I've learned over the years and I've had guests on the show who said the same thing. Right? You you can't you can't force that. You can't force those conversations. Those have to come about, and they do. Lord willingly, the Holy Spirit is prompting those people and is off is working in their lives, right? And if we, if we, the Catholic Church is what it says it is. If we and we believe that it is, right? this is the Church that Christ founded. You better believe that somebody who's seeking after God is going to be prompted by the Holy Spirit to eventually find their way into this thing. Uh, but it's 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 not something you can force, right? I, it's hard enough going to going to a family dinner, Thanksgiving or, or Christmas or what have you, and being the only Catholic there or the only Catholic family there, and kind of going, 
guys, like, ask me some questions. I want, I want to tell you about my, <laughs> the state. Yeah, yeah. Like, can we talk about the Pope or something? Right. But it's, it's, you, you can't force these things, right. As much as you want to, you can't, you can't force these things. They have to come out organically or you, I think run the risk of setting things back by years, right. If you try and force these conversations uh, out before the person's ready to have that conversation, you often We'll build. We'll get them to defensive, and you've lost ground, not not gained ground, right? In sharing the truth, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think it's not just that you're giving from your own life experience, where kind of as the only Catholic family in the room. But I think also when we sit down at a table filled with cradle Catholics, because a lot of Catholics have the same misconceptions about their faith that. Uh, evangelicals have about the catholic faith as well and again i've had the same experience where you you're bursting with the joy of the faith in your heart and you want everyone to know about it and once you start coming across as being pushy like that it's almost like they're they're stepping away and then the next thing you know you're sitting at the kitty table right <laughs> see that i think that was a misconception i had of of converts or i don't know if you had the same is that once a convert came in, then they all automatically followed. And you you point that the difference there. And I think uh, I think it was Matt Swain mentioned that none of his none no people came in with him. So I'm I was surprised at that. I thought they'd just see you, see the joy and the faith that you have, and they'd all say, "Okay, he must have found the answer. Let's go." But it's it's yeah, not yeah. the case at all, is it, Keith? Yeah, no, it's that that's super rare. And, and I mean, uh, it's it's hard. It's it's hard. <laughs> to see people who have that fortune to have that happen because it's like, Oh, why not, why not me? Like what's going, yeah. what am I doing what's wrong? But, <laughs> but I've realized the more people I talk to for my show, right. In my own lived experience is that's not that that's often not the case. And for whatever reason, you know, and this is the thing too, you know, you think you, this is, I think true for all of experiences, right. You, you kind of have the idea that most people around you have had the same experiences that you've had in a lot of cases, right? And the more you get to know people, you realize that they're different people and people are different, have different lives and life stories, right? But in terms of like, uh, as a convert, for when I first became Catholic, I kind of assumed that those around me had had thought the same things I was thinking and asked those same questions. And I don't know why, but read what I had read. And it took me a while to realize that, you know what? No, they haven't. Like they're, they are they haven't thought what I've thought and like wrestled with what I wrestled with and read what I've read. Like they, they haven't even asked these questions. And so I was often approaching people thinking like, well, of course, if I, if I ask this question, they'll go, Oh yeah, of course you're right, Keith. Yeah. I haven't thought of that. And I'll become Catholic tomorrow, mm-hmm. but they, you know, they aren't in that same place that I was at, right. That journey for me took like many years, right. To go, to go through those things and think of those things and, ask those questions and uh, read what I read and watch what I watched and, and do those classes that I took to get to the place of, of converting. So assuming that other people have thought those things, or if I ask them those questions I was asking, they'll feel as heavy of a burden as I felt when I asked those questions, because they're not, they're not there. They're, they're different people. Right. So even those closest to my wife and I, who've watched our journey unfold and who kind of know what we're thinking and, and what we were asking, they haven't felt they're in a place to ask those same questions yet. So they, so they have to get there themselves, right? The Holy Spirit has to, has to bring them to that, that point, but before asking those questions is even fruitful, right? I mean, it, it, you, you can't assume that they have thought those things, or if you ask that million dollar question, they'll go, Oh yeah. Right. Because 
all that priming it took for me to get there to ask that question. They haven't, they haven't been through yet. yet. Right. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get in that headspace, right? Because to you, those things seem so obvious. It's like the, the mass is beautiful. The liturgy is incredible. Like the, the faith tradition we have to draw on, the, the divine office, liturgy of the hours, the rosary, all these beautiful things we have as Catholics. Con- confession, good golly. Like, guys, <laughs> I, I, I feel like if you don't do a confession, they'd, they'd become Catholic in droves because confession is an amazing thing to be, to actually know you are forgiven, right? Versus just praying and kind of hoping that God heard you and trying to feel forgiven in in your heart versus a priest acting in Christ's place saying you're forgiven like that's that's worlds apart right but just to say that to somebody if they're not in a place to to hear that they haven't thought those questions they haven't felt that need to have something more than just praying by themselves to Jesus it's not going to hit like it hits for somebody who's been there and asked those questions. So, yeah. And I think if Catholics knew about confession, yeah. they'd be coming in droves yes, as well, yes, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Right? That's uh, point, kind of right. always the, the ongoing joke, you know, why is the lineup for communion so much longer than the lineup for, for confession? <laughs> but I think that's part of the challenge for us as cradle Catholics, yeah. though, too, is we've just grown up in the system, for lack of a better word, yeah. right? We've grown up in the system doing these things, but not even understanding why we do them. Yeah. Right. And yeah. we've never really been taught. I mean, I'm teaching the RCA class right now. And I keep saying to the students, to the catechumens, that they probably know more about the Catholic faith halfway through RCIA than most of the people that are coming mm-hmm. to mass on Sunday. Right. And I think that's maybe part of the, mm-hmm. the problem for us when people do approach us about the faith is, we just do it because that's what we do. We don't really know why. We haven't yeah. even asked ourselves the questions and we're already here. Yeah. And that's what what you're you're working against with people who are evangelical because as evangelical, right? I saw Catholics like that. Robert. We mentioned we talked about this on, on my right. show when we had, when I had you on Robert about two Catholics or two guys go up in, in Newmarket. I saw the Catholics who were going through the motions and who didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, I met those guys too, right? I, one of my very good friends uh, who really got me interested in the Catholic faith was really a nominal Catholic. <laughs> he was a very good guy. He'd, <laughs> he'd go to mass on a Sunday and and uh, after you know getting sober from the night before, from drinking all night and, and partying and doing who knows what, right? So I saw this guy and thought, this isn't very good. Like, this isn't a Christian. He's not living a Christian life. He's going to mass, but he's, he's, he's doing these wild things on the side here every other day of the week, right? So the, the that's a, that's the inertia that we work against i think when we're trying to i think first of all yeah evangelize cradle catholics right because they see other cradle catholics just living out that 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 yeah. system but definitely the evangelical mind you know sees the catholic looking like the pharisee looking like a guy just jumping through hoops or doing these rituals going to mass at because we all go to mass right Baptizing the kids because you you do that right, putting them in Catholic school because you do that as as a as someone who's raised Catholic right, not intentionally doing these things or knowing why you do these things right. So that's the inertia I think, or the or the force that a lot of evangelicals are, are working against, or we're working against to evangelize because they'll see so many Catholics who are just nominal Catholics going through the motions, and they meet someone like who's fervent for the faith, who's authentically Catholic, and they go, they go, yeah, but. What? Like they, they don't have a category for that, right? Because the Catholics <laughs> they're used to 
is a Catholic yeah. who's just who's you know a, <laughs> a French Italian Catholic who's just going to mass because grandma wants him to come to mass kind of thing, right? That's such a great perspective, the Catholic convert, to give us that. I know as a cradle Catholic to say, hey, listen, there there are people who look at that and say, hey, well is that Catholic? Is it Christian? I think it's great. And I think that we should all take a note of that as, as cradle Catholics. I think sometimes we don't really appreciate what we've been born into and what we're lucky to have our whole lives. And that's why, I mean, you, they say that the convert makes the Beth Catholic, but I mean, a lot of your people on your show, Keith, have, have been converts and they, and they speak to such a great, you know, faith journey and just, they open our eyes up, at least mine. I don't know. I can't speak for Robert as a cradle Catholic to say, Hey, Look at this. You, you've been missing all this beauty around you all this time. Like, appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's something that I've appreciated being able to do, right? For a lot of people that I've encountered who are cradle Catholics to, to say, you know what? They they look at you and you meet, they meet you and they go, wow, yeah, I hadn't thought of all these things I'm taking for granted. Like, the, yeah, <laughs> and here I am joining the church to have these things. You've had them all along and they go, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah. The mass, the, the mass is incredible. The liturgy is beautiful. These things are are, are amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like you wake up. I don't think <laughs> I don't think converts will 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 save the church or do anything particularly special. But I mean, I, I think there's a value in in seeing the things from a new light, right? For people who like myself who who join, in spite of all the warts and the scandals and the awful things that happen, right. because we, we see the beauty here behind all these things. And and you you don't know either, I think as a Catholic, what else is out there in, in the sense that you don't know what it's like to try and do the evangelical thing. Where I mean, I I went from and lots of my guests on the show you mentioned Dennis are from the same same place where I went from trying to figure out my own theology by reading theologians and finding a church that I thought did the best version of following the Bible. That that was hard. That was stressful to do. To to be like you know, am I in a church that's really following the Bible the right way? Like interpreting things properly going from that anxiety and a low level anxiety not not daily like wringing my hands but like it's always a thing you're thinking of in the back of your mind and lots of evangelicals are in this place to the catholic church which you surrender to this thing called the magisterium which which we believe comes from christ and the apostles to actually authoritatively teach scripture and tradition and how to live and you go oh what a relief. I don't have to figure out. It's done for me. Yeah. And you know what? And you can, you can dig into it and you can, right. and I have dug deeply into, into the Catholic theology, but you know, you're in a safe place where ultimately all my questions I can ask and I can wrestle with, but the church has definitively ruled on what the answer is. Right. And that's a huge weight off the shoulders of the evangelical who spent all that time trying to make, trying to <laughs> wrestle with, am I answering this question right versus oh no here's a church founded by christ that has answered it for me like thank goodness right and, and, and i know in one of your yeah. more recent uh episodes with your guest you were saying that like you no longer have to be your own magisterium mm -hmm. and to go further back in the archives too i remember one of your guests uh, she she said with her husband the night after they came into the church they looked at each other and said we don't have to be our own pope anymore Keith, I mean, we've talked so much about all of these wonderful guests that you've had on the show. Mm -hmm. Dennis, who's been 
binge listening as he's walking the dog over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> the dog and your, me. your ratings must be through the roof because I think Dennis has listened to just about every episode. No, no, just scratch the surface. Like the faith, I've just scratched the surface with uh, Keith's <laughs> podcasts. But where can people find the Cordial Catholic? Where do you want to point them to? All right. So we're, we're everywhere. Podcasts are found. Uh, the Cordial Catholic, C-O-R-D-I-A-L. Uh, Catholic, it's an aspirational title. So I, you know, I always joke that I'm not, I'm not there yet. My wife rolls her eyes when I introduce myself as the Cordial Catholic. She says, yeah, okay. You, you, do, <laughs> you tell them that. It's uh, everywhere though, on podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere, everywhere you can find podcasts. And uh, on YouTube, I began filming things a couple of years back. And so a bunch of the episodes are also on YouTube for, I don't know, the millennials, Robert. <laughs> want to watch it on you want to watch it on their phone maybe we should go on to youtube robert live i mean how do i look in front of a camera we we, we've had a guest come on the show before dennis that said um we sound way more intelligent than we look so maybe youtube is not the (laughs) place for us or maybe it was you have a face for radio i think that was what they said (laughs) something along those lines so i have to ask one quick question about pastor dom before we finish up here now, for an evangelical pastor to ask you about the Bible and tradition, about the patristic, like, was he, why would he have said that to you? I just, I, I'm just curious as to why wouldn't he have just said, of course, it's Bible and moved along. And did he ever become Catholic? That's well, my that's a, This is a, this is a great question. And again, this, this, this is a very well asked, Dennis, because this circles around to the whole, yeah. the whole thing I've been saying here, right? Is the, the timing and the Holy Spirit. He's not Catholic. He's not Catholic yet. He actually, funny, funny enough. So we're back here in my wife's hometown of Sarnia. Mm-hmm. His wife's hometown is also Sarnia. He married, he married a uh, a woman who was my wife's brother's age in in high school. They went to high school together. He married her. So they, so he moved from where we lived in in Kitchener mm-hmm. back here to Sarnia and pastored my wife's parents' Baptist church for a few years. So I saw him on and off. And when I was in the cusp of becoming Catholic, I. I came back here to Sarnia where he was living, met in the Tim Hortons. And I said, Dom, I'm on the cusp of becoming Catholic. I'm talk me out of it. What would you say to talk me out of it? And he said, all I would say to you is be careful of your family because it's going to be hard for your family. And I thought I was selfish. I thought that's it. Like my family, who who cares? Who cares about them? Like that's whatever. That's it though. No theology, no, like nothing, nothing. And that, that was it. And he went from there, moved back to Montreal and is still to this day, pastoring a, a church, non-denominational church meeting in a warehouse somewhere in, uh, in Montreal. Um, not Catholic, still, still Protestant, but it, it, funny thing is it turns out that the advice he gave me in that Tim Hortons was based on another friend of his who had just, become Catholic, who was another guy going to this class with him at Tyndale, who was not raised Catholic, but heard the same things Dom was hearing, uh, was asking those same questions Dom was asking, and Dom and him were, were talking after class. Dom then came the next day and talked to me about these same questions. I was a third wheel in this that in in this I don't know tri- triangle a third wheel on a triangle. tricycle yeah, yeah, yeah tricycle yeah was it one of those adult tricycles yeah, it was. that has the it, basket it on the back yes yeah. it was a little bell I, I didn't know that this existed at all right and so 
Uh, it turns out that, that Dom was basing that advice on this guy. Because this guy became Catholic. His wife didn't for a number of years. And it was hard for their family. They were very, uh, it was tumultuous for their family, for his, his conversion. So his advice to me was based off this, this guy. Well, I later, when I became Catholic, met some people at this Bible study, a Catholic Bible study. It, they exist. And they said, oh, you got to meet Joey. He's a new convert too. And so I met Joey in a Tim Hortons in Kitchener. And we were talking and it turned out Joey was this guy that Dom knew from seminary, the other guy in this conversation who became Catholic, who Dom warned me about becoming Catholic because he said, oh, it was hard for this guy. Well, Joey goes, Dom told you that? Oh, I would never say that. It was, it was hard, but of course become Catholic. You should, of course. So me and Joey became mm. good, good friends for a number of years and ended up I ended up going to the church where he was the, uh, the chaplain at, the youth pastor at, or the youth minister at this Catholic church. We rekindled our, our friendship and were friends for a number of years and he moved on and I moved, moved away. But uh, the, the story of Dom is not finished because it, there's oh, too many, there's too many things intertwined in there, right? It, to, to, to abandon that. He's back. He's back in in post Catholic Montreal, right? But right down there, uh, surrounded by by old churches and uh, right, and the, the the Catholic roots go go deep there. So he asked those questions to me and to Joey, and made it both of us Catholic. He didn't become Catholic, but you know we're you have at least two prayer warriors praying for him, and of course all of his deceased relatives, his Catholic grandmothers and their great grandmothers, praying for this guy and their family. So. Uh, we have high hopes, Dennis, that he's uh, will make his way towards uh, Rome. I still do occasionally just rib him on Facebook. He'll occasionally post church father quotes because he loves the church father still, loves patristic still. And he'll post part of a quote and I'll often finish it for him. So yeah, but yeah, but Jerome also said this, Dom, it was about the Eucharist or about the, the mass. And let's let's put that in context. So I occasionally remind him of uh of his catholic heritage but wow. uh he's someone that I, that I that i pray for daily and i know that there are others out there that are praying for him too because it, it's that story is unfinished as far as i'm concerned that, i was just gonna say that story is not finished and it's world cup time and people are placing wages here and there so <laughs> i don't know that that's a bet that uh I don't know, we'll have to put some money down on Dom. i think maybe yeah. a tenor on that that Dom comes around but yeah anyhow. good odds yeah. And none of our stories are really finished yet either. Yeah. So yeah. That is, yeah. this has been absolutely fantastic. And we get into these conversations and it just flies by. If we were to sit down face to face one time, and we're gonna have to get someone to come pick us up and drive us home because <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be more than a pint. We're gonna use the <laughs> we can go through a couple of those paddles. Yeah, we'll go pictures? through the flights. <laughs> a pitcher oh. of beer. What a great yeah. We'll, we'll get your, your information up in the show notes there. We'll also throw uh, a link in for your brother-in-law's uh, paddles if anyone wants to get a beer flight paddle. I don't know if there's enough time to get it out before Christmas, but it would make a great New Year's gift uh, as well. But Keith, again, can't thank you enough for, for coming out and joining us this evening. Uh, I know Dennis has been excited to to finally I, meet you I don't know and, how you and, find and all these guests Robert and and you do that and we start talking and then like you're telling us we have to wrap it up and we're just scratch, <laughs> like again we're just scratch, I just want Keith to continue about his you know telling about his faith and his journeys and his podcast and hey a return visit maybe he could be our first three the time first three time guest <laughs> three time guest what are that's you doing tomorrow year. Keith <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a hat trick in yeah. season 3 
there we go. That sounds three. great. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, guys. It's a, I, it's I, nice I, I love what you do here. I love this stuff. It's always fun to talk to friends and I appreciate uh, the opportunity and the invitation, guys. Well, thank you for coming by. Great. Thanks, Keith. Well, Barry, you line up these guests and the keys, you know, they always seem to kind of, I don't know, not, not meet the standards I have, but far exceed them. And and today was no exception. I can't believe it. You know, you know, Keith was so good. And it, it brings me back to that old adage that says, uh, converts make the best Catholics. And I think he speaks to that tonight. What a great episode and what a great guest. Fantastic. I have to say, though, you're used to just speaking with me. So the standard is pretty low to begin with there, <laughs> right? So any guess that we're getting on is going to more than exceed your expectations of what the conversation is is going to hold. But Keith is a great guy. Yeah. And he's become, a, he's become a friend of yours over the year that you've been in, on his show and he's been on our show, Sans Me, correct? Correct. And that was kind of one of the strange things and we talked a little bit about it in the episode mm-hmm. you know as much as we've had these chats through zoom whether he's been on our podcast or i've been on the cordial catholic but we've never met in person which kind of makes i don't want to say for an odd friendship because i think he's he's a great friend but that's just kind of good point uh just kind of odd when we're so used to having friends that we have that personal sit down connection with but is no a great post, friend and it, we call it a post covid French as a post-COVID friendship. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably meet him because you have that connection to Newmarket. You've got in-laws in London. He's in Sarnia. So you're not you're not too far apart for sure. And one, one of these days we'll figure it out. And if we can figure it out, say in the summertime when he's at his parents in Newmarket, you now if you want to hitch a ride up. Then... Absolutely. I'd love to meet Keith. Yeah, for sure. In person, that is. And I know he's a, a fantastic guest and a great guest and, and just a great guy because we were talking for about another hour after we finished recording that conversation. I know. Well, he that's so interesting because I always I'm always after you know that to say, okay, we got to keep it down to an hour. And he had given us some good advice after the show, saying, you know, depending on the guests, and you just let it flow, and sometimes it'll go longer than that. I think he said he had a couple on for four hours. Am I, am I correct? I think that's his record. He said was four hours. And he had another guest the one time as well, Tish Oxenrider. Mm-hmm. So if people want to go back through his podcast archives and find Tish Oxenrider, she spoke for close to an hour, Straight. if not a little bit more, just giving her story, giving her testimony. Right. And it was so fascinating. It was one of those, I was listening to it on the way into work one day. Mm-hmm. And because she wasn't finished, I think I was doing laps around the block so I could keep listening. Oh my God. Right. That's cool. So, yeah. So if people want to catch that, the Cordial Catholic, it's an excellent podcast. I listened to quite a few. You put me onto it. And he just kind of lets the guests talk and he gets out of the way. So that's a tip for both of us, maybe down the road. You're trying to tell me to shut up there, buddy. But I kissed the Blarney Stone twice, so it's going to be difficult for me. But I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out in the new year as we enter our third season in a couple of weeks. God willing. God willing. God now willing. I need part of me wants to ask, and part of me doesn't want to ask. How was your gingerbread saison? There, my, my friend. gingerbread saison is really good, and I don't think you gave it a fair shake. And I think it is going to become the beer of the year in 2023. I gave it, I mean, that beer was lucky I finished the tin. Yeah, I can finish (laughs) another one. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a seasonal beer. I don't think I'll drink it all year round, but I'll definitely have it during the Christmas season. Yeah. But you know what? That's, 
everyone their has own. their own taste. Everyone has right. their own taste when it comes to, to things like this. My Riverwalk Commons was a, a nice, full-flavored lager, as you saw. I mean, I, I'll put the picture up on the Facebook page, yeah. but as you saw, it had that nice, dark buckwheat it honey it kind did. of color. Does it does it measure up to the, you know, the reds and the hazy blondes of the Old Flame, which I really enjoy? I think maybe it even exceeds. Oh, wow. That. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it was a fantastic brew. I'll have to pick you up a, a couple bottles. Yeah. Can it, you get it all year round or is it just for this? I think it's just a seasonal because oh, they'll do different, okay. they'll do different beers, but you know, if people are buying it enough, maybe they will keep it around, but I'll definitely pick up a couple more bottles of that. If you can get me one and then I'll pick up a couple of cans for you, but not gingerbread sizzle. Thank you. You've gin- your you. gingerbread says owned out 100 percent, but that's not like, but the, the the time like we said that the time conversation we spoke with keith for another hour afterwards i really don't even doesn't even feel like we've been talking for two hours now uh pushing three hours almost from when we were talking even before keith jumped on the show so the time has just really flown by here tonight. And obviously my Riverwalk Commons is empty. My hourglass is done. Always, It's always a pleasure to wear both the pint or pint and a half maybe and the conversation. Especially the pint tonight. Yeah, but it's always a pleasure to talk about our Catholic faith, especially with a guest like Keith. Very true. Very true. Now, just before we wrap up here, Dennis, perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints Infused podcast on your favorite platform and give us a like or a review. And while you're at it, why don't you give us a like on Facebook, drop us a line there or at pintsinfused at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. Chat again soon, my friend. God willing. And until then, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless.